When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio. We're here at the Pinnacle Bank Championship Pro-Am going on. We welcome in college football insider Brad Edwards. Brad, good to spend a little time today, and we're in the great outdoors. A little PTSD from errant tee shots for some of us. But, uh, you know, college football's near and dear to all of our hearts, and Hey, it's been an interesting week or so. Uh, before we talk Nebraska and Big Ten, your uh, reaction to the movement that's happened already and then the thought process of, of maybe Cal and Stanford joining the ACC. I know that's been discussed, and we'll see if it follows through. We'll see what, what really shakes out. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. Um, historic week, that's really the only way to put it and yeah you could argue that um the teams involved were were probably not going to contend for the national championship and and some people might dismiss it the ones that are all playoff focused and all that but um man the idea of you know the pac-12 pac-10 as most of us grew up with it that a conference that is uh has that much tradition and more than 100 years old could just basically go away with very little warning um, almost overnight. It's just, it's just hard to fathom. And I, I think the the question that I still am stuck with that I haven't found a good answer to yet is why did the big 10 feel the need to do that? Uh, because, you know, th- it's pretty much uh, inarguable that th- there were no two conferences in college sports that were connected more than the big 10 and the PAC 12 just because of the Rose Bowl relationship going back so far. I I don't, I can't think of any other conferences that really kind of looked out for each other the way that those two have and kind of had common interest is probably the, the, the bigger thing. And, and yet when it came down to it, it seems like the big 10 just completely knowingly put the final nail in the coffin of the PAC 12 because, uh, everything you you see and and hear now is that if Oregon and Washington had not left, that group would have been able to stay together. Now, would it have been what it used to be? No, but still um, it wouldn't have been the end of the conference. And knowing that the big 10 already had this mega TV deal in place, everyone was already lined up to get paid. What kind of value did you add? I'm not saying you didn't add two good teams. I, I think you improved the quality of Big Ten football by adding those two programs. But but what did you add financially that made it worth um, not only you know adding these two teams, to, excuse me, these two teams to the conference, um, but along with that to basically kill uh, this conference that you've been aligned with for so long? That's the part that that I'm I'm still waiting on a good answer for. It's Brad Edwards with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And 
Brad, when we look back in, in 10 years, are you saying that you think we're going to look back and say it's the Big Ten's fault that the Pac-10 died? I mean, if we're going to be in the business of finger-pointing, where do you think the blame lies for the death of the Pac-10? Oh, I think there's so many choices that they could have made better in the last you know decade plus. I mean, they're, they're obviously... Um, you, you, let's let's just go all the way back to the unbelievable coup that they almost pulled off of of killing the Big Twelve. <laughs> you know, back around I don't remember if that was 2011 or when that was. Um, it, it looked like you know, among others, they were going to bring Oklahoma and Texas into that league, uh, which would have been amazing. And um, apparently, it was very close to happening, but it didn't. And and so you could look at a lot of the decision. Now, like I'm not blaming. Uh, anyone for not being able to pull that off because it was completely improbable, but they came close to it. But you look at from that moment on where they were so close to becoming the first super conference, it seems like almost every decision from that point forward has been the wrong one. And and I, I think there's just been a lot of wait and see. I think there's been too much wait and see as opposed to being aggressive and proactive. And ultimately, um, I mean, if you want to point to the most recent thing that might have, you know, done in the Big Ten, I'm sorry, done in the Pac-12, it wasn't it wasn't what the Big Ten did. That was, like I said, the final nail. Um, but maybe the, the, the last big mistake uh, was allowing the Big 12 to get its TV deal done before and and, you know, not seizing the opportunity that they had. And, you know, by being the last one. Uh, in line for a deal, they kind of got shut out. And ultimately, that's what caused uh, Oregon and Washington to want to make that move to the Big Ten is because the money that they felt like they needed just just wasn't going to be there in that, in that deal with Apple. Now, going back to the ACC situation, Brad, and potentially adding a Cal or a Stanford, this is something that Elijah and I talked about yesterday on the show. Are those two the best possible options for the ACC or what do you see happening with the remaining teams left in the Pac-12? So, I mean, th- that one kind of caught me off guard as far as it even being mentioned as a possibility. I-, I guess I understand why the ACC would at least have a conversation about it. I, I don't take it seriously. Like, w- what is what is the value? If you're going to go cross-country, all right, the Big Ten picking up USC and UCLA, more so just because of USC, that, that made sense just because of the value it was going to add financially to the conference. You know, when I look at the ACC and any interest in, in Cal and Stanford, um, it really only makes sense from an academic perspective in, in, in that those schools obviously fit what a lot of the schools in the ACC perceive themselves to be academically. Uh, but I mean, th- does that necessarily apply to everyone in that conference? I, you know, I, I I think we could look at some of the schools in that league and say, well, they're, they're not necessarily on that level as far as what you would think of as their academic reputation. So from an athletic standpoint, and I look, I guess, I guess if you want to get into the non-football sports, um, you know, Cal and Stanford, especially Stanford, have so many other programs that would, you know, that would contribute really well uh, to, you know, on the field and winning championships and all that stuff. But, but ultimately – all anyone really cares about is football. Football is what's making the money. And I just don't see how either of those is going to give you any value. And it's crazy to, to say this because, I mean, that was um, – and we're, we're about a decade removed from Stanford being so close a number of years to being in that, that national championship game mix, and they never could quite get there. And to think that a decade later 
they're completely shut out. I mean, meanwhile, you know, you got Cal and Washington State and Oregon State, which have, you know, had a random season here and there that was good. But for for the most part, over the last 50 years, none of those programs have really done anything in football, nothing significant. Um, I mean, obviously, there's the one play <laughs> that Cal is remembered for. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but outside of, of that, I mean, what can really any of them hang their hats on? And I think that's kind of where we are right now. What is the value in football? Um, and, and none of those four schools really have it at a high level. Brad Edwards with us, college football insider and author at J. Brad Edwards. His book on the Bama dynasty. You need to check that out for your college football reading this fall. Brad, a couple minutes here. I want to get your feel on Nebraska. And uh, I'm asking you to get the crystal ball out because I've seen a ton of optimism. Camp sounds great right now despite some injury It always bug. does, Chris. I know, <laughs> despite some injury bug issues. But uh, big one against Minnesota here in about three weeks. How do you feel about year one of Rule? I know you've covered him quite a bit through your career. Yeah, look, I, 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 I've just gotten to a point now where um, most of these teams in the Big Ten, whatever I think they're going to be preseason, especially in the West, you know, like they, I, they just they just never turn out to be what I expect. And so I figure I got a better chance by not even paying attention and and, and just see who they trot out there at quarterback week one and then just in, and go from there. But, no, I, I, I do like the hire of Rule, and I, I love the – you know, the possibilities for the future, um, you know, you're well aware because uh, I'm sure you've talked about it ad nauseum, what he's done in his previous stops and how it wasn't always great year one. Um, but, but then by year three, he seemed to have a pretty good thing going. So he, he's good at building the program. Um, but, but I, I don't know that I would expect that year one magic at the same time, you know, you look at, at the number of, of close games, and I, I don't need to remind anyone in your audience, the number of close games Nebraska's lost over the last few years. And, and if you just find a way to win half of the close games, um, it could feel very different than it had in, in recent years without the team necessarily being all that much better. And so I guess that's where I would be optimistic with, with Nebraska, is that if they can just win a couple of those games, gain some confidence – and then build on that, you know, maybe they're not that much better than, you know, most of the teams that are, you know, they're competing against in the Big Ten West. But um, if they can just make another play here or there, I, I, I can see the opportunity for any number of teams in that division, to, you know, to go eight and four or something like that, which, I mean, given where Nebraska's been, um, I, I think you'd take that right now, wouldn't you? I want real quick, Brad, about 90 seconds. Biggest threat to Georgia, is it still Bama? I think so. Um, you know, if Ohio State had a, a, a returning starter at quarterback, we saw what happened in the semifinal last year. And look, I, it's funny to me to see all the preseason stuff come in. And I, I get that Michigan has beaten Ohio State two years in a row and that uh, it, it really wasn't even all that competitive either time. Um at, at the same time, like, I just – I have a hard time accepting that Michigan's better than Ohio State. And I guess it's because I've, I've watched the recruiting. Uh, and I'm not a big recruiting guy, but um, <laughs> I, I, I still – if you're asking me, I'm still taking Ohio State every single year in the Big Ten because I think they have the best players. Um, but, but nationally, yeah, I mean, I, I think right there in the SEC is – is the biggest threat to Georgia, and that's Alabama. 
you know, the question is, would Alabama have to beat them twice? You know, would it have to be, you know, knock them off in the SEC and then beat them again in the playoff? Obviously, that two years ago, they they split meetings and Georgia won the one that mattered, which was the very last one for the national championship. Could we see something like that again? But even though Alabama's in the same boat as Ohio State doesn't have the proven quarterback, if you look at Nick Saban's track record since he's been there, they have been amazing with a first-year starter at quarterback. Um, and I mean, just go back and look at it. I don't have time to get into it right now, no, but fine. for those who are curious, go back and look at, at Alabama under Nick Saban when they've had a first-year starter at QB and what their records have been. And I don't think there's any reason to think that Alabama's taken a big step back just because they lost who may have been the best quarterback they've ever had in Bryce Young. Well, his uh, his quarterback play has been exceptional, and it has been uh, transformative for Bama. They had everything else locked in, and they've been great the last six, seven years with quarterback play. Brad, we'll do this again, my friend, get some college football chat going uh, as the fall continues. Thanks for a few minutes with us. You got it. Good stuff from Brad Edwards as we truck forward at the Pinnacle Bank Championship Pro-Am right now. And uh, the championship starts tomorrow here at the Players Club in Indian Creek.